when you just talk about practice. We sitting here, I supposed to be the franchise player, and we in here talking about practice. I mean, listen, we talking about practice. Not a game, not a game, not a game. We talking about practice. Not a game. Hey, how you guys doing? This is the producer from Brothers Comics. Welcome to Last Night in the Association, our NBA recap podcast. Uh, on the line tonight is my favorite point guard. He shoots my left. Uh, he shoots right-handed, though. It's Will Stacks. Will Stacks in the house. What's up? What's up? What's up? Man, ain't nothing. Just a lot of uh, stuff going on. We got a playoff game that just ended, and then we got jazzy jeff bringing us in we've taken it back a little bit we'll explain why a little bit later uh but we'll kind of segue into that a little bit with the with the sixers uh i guess I'm not sure how many years ago it was but this is the anniversary of the Allen iverson rant on practice uh he drops the word practice 20 times in, in a span of about a minute and a half uh talking about the sixers as they've uh they lost one of the playoff rounds uh do you remember when it happened and how big a thing it came culturally. Yeah, 2002 was the year Allen Iverson, at the height of his powers, uh, being questioned about, you know, his practice or lack thereof uh, of practice and um, wanted to let people know that, uh, you know, someone who plays as hard as he does shouldn't be questioned about practice. He's talking about practice, and that was it. Was just comical to listen to him, and even watch it. Him sitting there, and he keeps referring to, you know, we ain't talking not a game, not a game. We talking about practice <laughs> over and over and over. But it was hilarious. But hey, that was definitely an NBA memory. I didn't believe 2002, you know, so 16 years ago today. But not the only NBA event that happened on this day in history. Yeah, no doubt about it. And ESPN is just kind of, you know, it's like the Facebook memory thing. They keep throwing up things that happened on this particular date. And, like, also on this particular date in 1994, Reggie Miller shocks the the Garden uh, by scoring, I think it's eight points in nine seconds as the Pacers pull off a huge upset against the Knicks in a game that the Knicks literally had won and just absolutely choked away as Reggie Miller gives the death stare to Spike Lee at the end of the End of the game in the garden. Yeah, I believe it was two free throws, a steal, a three, another steal, and then another three that just put the damper on the New York Knicks. I mean, that is something uh, they, the franchise, that forget. I know Spike Lee, who had a bird's eye view, sitting right there in his face uh, as Miller was drilling the threes and even then gave the choke sign directed mm-hmm. Right at Spike Lee, so uh, Reggie Miller definitely uh, very important on this date in NBA history. Yeah, and lastly, and this is going to come up a little bit later too when we get to the Cavs, on this date in 1989, Michael Jordan hits the shot over Craig Elo uh, to secure the Bulls' victory over the Cavs in Cleveland and uh, uh, literally begins the legend of Michael Jordan. Yeah, I think uh, Michael Jordan, uh, yeah, he started to uh, really explode. I mean, he had already come into the league exploding. I shouldn't say he began, but uh, that was just uh, truly the shot that uh, put him way in the national spotlight, you know, if he wasn't already there. You know, Craig Elo and the rest of the Cavaliers seemed to have him uh, – 
seemed to have him covered, but uh, he was not to be denied as he got the shot off to end that playoff series. Doug Collins, the coach at the time for the Bulls, that takes you back. Um, but, yeah, that was uh, Michael Jordan doing his thing to win that series. Yeah, uh, and the first, well, let's not call him the first, but one of the forerunners of the big man who didn't want to go down low and sit and shoot jumpers, Brad Sellers, uh, on that team. <laughs> he was, yeah. He was a Brad pioneer. Sellers. Yeah, uh, he was a pioneer. And then uh, Ohio State, you know, that to uh, – Plays the ball, yeah, Brad Sellers, uh, Orlando Warriors, I believe, on that team as well. So that takes you back uh, to the old Chicago Bulls. But, uh, hey, this is a heck of a day in the history of the NBA. Some more history could be uh, added a little bit later tonight. No doubt about it. So let's head into the first half where we get to uh, the Eastern Conference playoffs. Uh, the game just ended, uh, the Celtics and the Sixers in Philadelphia. Uh, the Sixers win, was it, one old Three to ninety-two uh, to finally get on the board. They had gone down three. Love had lost a tough game in overtime uh, the other day for Game Three. Celtics looking to sweep. Uh, 76ers come back and get one win and send it back to Boston. One of the hardest things to do in the NBA is to close out a team, even though uh, it seems like Boston have Philly's number. Uh, you know, Boston uh, still came out, played pretty well as they're going to be in every game, but the Sixers came out with a, a switch in the lineup uh, to maybe add a little pace as they took uh, Robert Covington out of the starting lineup and inserted T.J. McConnell, who played 39 big minutes and had his career high of all days to have your career high 19 points. Uh, T.J. McConnell added a little spark. Uh, to the 76er lineup to kind of push them over the top. You know, it's still a, a good close game for for a lot of it, um, but uh, the Sixers did control most throughout. Uh, you got to give it up to Brett Brown for uh, kind of rolling the dice, making that change, uh, inserting McConnell in the lineup, playing big minutes, and um, hey, it, it proved to be uh, something to help the Sixers get on the board. So uh, we go back to Boston for game five, and we'll see if uh, Boston is ready with an adjustment of their own to try to close this thing out. Brett Brown getting a little bit of criticism at the end of game three as well, you know, especially from the talking head pundits, the Stephen A. Smiths of the world, you know, about having his team go down 3-0 that quickly and the way that it did. Um, it will set up a conversation for later on when and if they wind up losing, you know, if he's going to be the team to take them through the process. This is a, a standard NBA trope as the team starts to move up the ladder uh, and start to play well and get to contending the championship. It's the coach that got them almost over the finish line. The coach is actually going to take them over. You know, we've seen that on numerous occasions. We brought up Doug Collins with the Bulls. He winds up Phil Co or Phil Collins. <laughs> Uh, Phil winds up taking him over the uh, over the top there. Uh, it's uh, Mark Jackson gets him to a certain point. Steve Kerr takes him over the top. It, it's just a standard NBA trope at this point. Yeah, that that's uh, a possibility. I don't see it happening this year. If something were to go wrong next year, um, I think uh, I think Brett Brown will get one more year. I disagree with Stephen A. Smith. Uh, from a coaching aspect, um, yeah, he he has been out coached definitely by Brad Stevens, uh, especially in the out-of-bounds possessions uh, down the stretch. But I think, uh, you know, his top players made some key errors uh, 
you know, referring to J.J. Reddick and referring to Ben Simmons. They made some key errors, especially referring to game three at least, uh, where they made some key mistakes that kind of cost them, you know, down a stretch. So, uh, you know, those weren't coaching errors. Uh, those were uh, players trying uh, trying to make a play and just didn't do so. So I will lay a little burden on them and take a little bit off of him. But I don't expect him to lose a job this year. Now, if he doesn't come through next year, then I think some changes might be made in Philly. But, um, you know, it, it, he's got his work cut out for him for game five, you know, because you know Brad Stevens uh, is going to have some adjustments ready uh, for their new lineup, if you will. Yeah, Boston, uh, tough home floor and a game to be able to close them out. Uh, the young gun leading them. And then Al Horford has literally found the fountain of youth in this series of, you know, maybe not in points, but essentially playing uh, Joel as he would stand still in terms of his um, impact on the game. Yeah, I think the mix-up of uh, Horford and Bain, you know, where Bain is more physical where with Embiid, and then Horford will, will stretch the floor a little bit with Embiid. So I think the two different looks uh, has uh, maybe given Embiid a little problems. He's still going to do his part. Horford didn't do much tonight on the offensive end with just 10 points. Um, but you mentioned the young guns, you know, Jason Tatum still playing some outstanding ball, uh, leading the Celtics tonight. But, um, you know, the Celtics have let, yet to lose on their home court this postseason. Um, I'm sure they don't want it to start in game five. Yeah. Yeah, it, it'll, it'll be real interesting. Uh, that game gets the uh, this just a couple of days off as this playoff schedule starting to tighten up just a little bit. The other Eastern Conference semifinal is the Cleveland Cavaliers. They are playing the Toronto Raptors right now. Cavs up 3-0, and the game is 29-24. Cavs near the end of the first. Uh, we got to go back to game three, a game where the Raptors were losing most of the game. They get a, end of a, a, a three in the corner there. At the end of the four, or near the end of the fourth quarter, leave eight seconds left on the clock. Everybody knows LeBron's getting the ball. Uh, they bring it up, and he hits really like a—I a, don't know about magical, but it is a timeless, timeless winner there in the, at the end of the game. What do you think about LeBron's game winner? Oh, the runner floating from the left off the glass, high off the glass, and then an amazing shot by the King LeBron James. Uh, you got to give him credit, but going back to something we said about Brett Brown, now Dwayne Casey on the other hand <laughs> has made some glaring coaching errors uh, uh, in this series, especially in Game Three, a game that Cleveland dominated for the most part, but then Toronto made a run late, um, and like you mentioned, everybody knew LeBron was getting the getting the ball at with eight seconds to go, maybe except. The Toronto Raptors, where uh, you want anybody to shoot other than LeBron, so you got a double, triple team to force him to make the pass, uh, so somebody else shoots, and that doesn't happen. Not even that much pressure coming up the floor. Um, yeah, some baffling errors there, in my opinion. Um, Dwayne Casey, now his job. Uh, is in jeopardy unless uh, Toronto makes a miraculous uh, four-game comeback to win the series. <laughs> now uh, his job is definitely in jeopardy. Yeah, uh, we we dubbed Toronto. You can't trust it's all from the beginning. You know, as a Cincinnati Bengals fan, uh, when they had their little playoff run for five years or whatever, um, 
you know, everybody was the regular season doesn't matter. It's only going to count in the playoffs. And time and time again, they choked it away. Toronto's the Cincinnati Bengals of basketball at this moment. They're going to choke it away. Uh, I heard rumors on the radio this morning that Dwayne Casey is going to get run as well. He should if they wind up getting swept. That would be if they win tonight. That would be twelve straight playoff losses from the Raptors against uh, the LeBron-led Cavs. Uh, so yeah, definitely time for a change up. I think Jerry Stackhouse is the leader in the clubhouse for becoming the next coach of the Raptors. Um, yeah. But what happens after that? Well, they have to make some personnel changes. Uh, something um, uh, that, you know, Valanciunas down low has been a, a non-factor in the series, and that's basically because of Kevin Love, you know, being at the center position, stretching the floor, taking him away from his post position down low, so you have no more rim protection from the big man. So he's a non-factor, and he's a big part, big part of what Toronto does. So credit Coach Ty Lue for uh, keeping uh, Kevin Love at the center and not inserting uh, Tristan Thompson, at least not in the starting lineup. You know, so, you know, there's part of the coaching right there where Coach Lou made an adjustment, so what is yours? You know, he started Fred Van Fleet in game three. Didn't quite work out there. Uh, so adjustments moving forward to game four. What are you going to do? Are you going to trap LeBron more to get the ball out of his hands, or are you going to continue to uh, play one-on-one? Obviously, that hasn't worked to this point. you got to try something uh, because what you're doing is uh, not working out well for you. Van Fleet gets another near the end of the game look that winds up getting saved out by a missed free throw by Jeff Green uh, for them to get the tying three uh, before LeBron hits his amazing shot. Was it uh, Kyle Lowry or DeMar DeRozan gets benched uh, for the fourth quarter? quarter. Yeah, Yeah. and I was about to say, talking about coaching errors, yeah, you you roll with the guys who got you back in the game. I I have zero problem with that. You know, however, you got your main guy, your number one gun, your all-star guard, itching to get back in the game. You know, he's your best one-on-one player down the stretch. That's who you need. You don't put him in the game. Um, that now that is a, a glaring coaching error, if nothing else, you know. And obviously, um, down the stretch, you didn't have him to take that shot. So uh, you know, Dwayne Casey, uh, the the fire is getting hot on his seat for sure. Um, he definitely can't sit down because his job is in jeopardy. Yep. And I was explaining to my son as we were talking about the series, I'm like, you know what? Um, he's like, oh, well, you got to trade one of your players. And I'm like, you know, in the NBA, you need a superstar. And they have two dudes that are stars but not superstars. So even trading one of them is probably really not going to get you to be much better. So at this point, really, it's a coaching change and try to change some of the other pieces and, you know, and hope teams get old and – that's pretty much it because you know, oh, yeah. there's no superstars coming through that door. Well, that's the problem in the East. The only team, quote unquote, getting old, if you want to say team player, is LeBron. Uh, you know, you got to think the Sixers are up and coming. You got to think the Celtics, the young guns, are up and coming. Heck, throw in Antetokounmpo, you know, and the young Bucks yeah. are up and coming. So there is a bunch of young Bucks. Uh, in the Eastern Conference, you know, LeBron is the only old guy, if you will, uh, you know, still hanging around. So if any time for the Raptors to win is now, 
and it doesn't look like they're going to do it, just think next year the Celtics will be, quote-unquote, back at full strength. you got to think with with Kyrie, with Hayward, and then another year under the belt of Tatum, Tatum and, and, and Brown, I think uh, they'll be uh, primed and ready uh, to make a run next year. So, And you got to think the Sixers are only going to get better as well. If, you know, uh, Markel Fultz might even be in the mix uh, by next year. So if you're going to win, you got to win this year. But let's talk about LeBron. I mean, he's done uh, things in this series that, you know, many people said he couldn't do, said he wasn't much yeah. wrong. He's proved that wrong. And he has uh, carried his team on his back. He bought them the suits to put on their back, and now he's carrying them. But now he's getting some help uh, from Kevin Love, J.R. Smith. Jeff Green has been huge off the bench in a couple of games where he's played some really big, important minutes uh, down the stretch. So now the the pieces are starting to help LeBron. uh, Not looking good moving forward for the rest of the Eastern Conference. So uh, if Cleveland goes ahead and closes them out, when they close them out, I'll even say um, <laughs> watch out for the Eastern Conference Finals. Here come the Cavs. Yeah, we're going to talk previews here uh, when we get to the latter part of the podcast. But, yeah, it's um, that, there was a question on, I think, one of those talking head shows uh, in the afternoon. It was like, why is there still LeBron hate? You know, why do people still hate on LeBron? And is it? And it is a decent question. And it can't go back to, you know, we're going to talk about the Heat later, but it can't go back to Miami. It can't go back to the decision. You know, at certain points you just hate the dude because he's successful, he's really good at what he does. You just hate him because you just hate him at this point. Because as a basketball player, there's nothing to dislike about the dude. Yeah, it's hard. Uh, You know, I saw a tweet about uh, haters, you know, are really missing something special because there's, spending so much time hating on LeBron, they can't enjoy what he's doing. And I think right. that's an outstanding statement because he is playing some unbelievable ball. Um, you know, in his 15th year, you could say like maybe no other. I think his second year in Miami was his best. But uh, he's playing some incredible ball, but people are just steady, 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 pounding, pounding, pounding. Well, he's not better than Michael. Okay. I'll give it that. Michael is the best basketball player I have ever seen. Michael Jordan, but doggone LeBron James is pretty doggone good himself. Give the man some credit. He is doing some remarkable things. I'm glad I have a seat to sit and watch it. Yeah, I, 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 I'd say the same thing all the time, too. I was like, yeah, we don't need they're, – they're not even comparable players in terms of their, you know, stature, physicality, and all that. They're not, I mean, they are. Give it to Jordan. That's fine. Whatever. You can bring up all the things. He's never been swept in the first round. Jordan was not swept, but lost in the first round. Jordan lost three or four times. LeBron's been to all these finals, but he got a hell of a lot of L's in them too. And Jordan went six and zero. Oh. You know, I mean, there's all these comparable things, but you take all that out, dude. What he's doing at his age, it's damn remarkable. So yeah, you just hating on LeBron just for the simple fact of it. So. Uh, whatever I can't tell I can't help that dude that's a non-argument in Twitter and whatever when people start talking shit about LeBron yeah all right it's 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 remarkable uh just just enjoy that uh you have a seat to sit and watch greatness because he is uh definitely showing uh why he is the king and uh he's doing big things for the Cavaliers no 
All right, let's swing it out west to the Western Conference. Uh, the champs, the Dubs, up 3-1 over the Pelicans, 118-92 uh, last night. Um, Pelicans get a scrappy win in game three, actually, you know, in a game where it looked like the Warriors weren't all that engaged. Uh, there's a Draymond Green story where he texts uh, KD early in the morning while he was watching film, and he's like, hey, man, BKD, essentially. And KD's text when he woke up much later, he said, was like, I got you. And KD goes out in game four, scores 38 points. Uh, on 15 or 27. Um, it's 3-1. It's headed back to Oracle. On our, the previous podcast, we got it wrong. We said they'd probably win game three and then <laughs> win game three and lose game four and close out in Oracle. But it's headed back to Oracle with them up 3-1. Yeah, you knew uh, New Orleans would play inspired ball coming home, um, and they did play a little bit better. you got to give them credit for being scrappy. Uh, but you could, you just could see – that, you know, Golden State is markedly better than the Pelicans. You know, even when the Pelicans are playing at the top of their powers with, you know, an unbelievable talent in Anthony Davis, it's just not enough. Even just not enough against uh, Golden State, even if they aren't at the height of their powers. But if they are, you're in trouble. You know, Steph Curry, you know, when you have Clay Thompson, who's probably the third option you know he can go for 20 and a quarter just like that uh that's a tough team to beat when you have players like that you know and kd elevating his game steph curry is playing great and he's still getting his sea legs back so uh they're still not quite there and they're still rolling so they're just going back home i think they'll close it out in five i think you'll get a valiant effort from the pelicans but again just not enough, um, not enough firepower against the Dubs. Yeah, they they rolled out in this series of what they've called some have called the death lineup. I think on the jump there today they were calling it the Hampton Five. You know where they kind of roll out that small ball lineup with Draymond essentially playing center with Iggy and uh, parts all around them, and that's the lineup that they think that they can win with against pretty much any team. Um, it. it it seems like an interesting lineup because there's not that much size on the floor, but it creates the huge matchup you know, problems on the perimeter for everybody else because essentially everybody can shoot three. Well, yeah, it spreads uh, spreads you out in every sense of the matter. KD, actually, the tallest uh, of that group uh, on the floor, he would be your quote-unquote rim protector if anybody. Um, but, yeah, they're, they're playing uh, a different style of ball, and they want you to challenge them. Uh, I'm very curious with that lineup, and let's say as we get to talk about the Rockets here shortly, uh, what the Rockets would do to match that lineup. Are you going to keep uh, Clint Capella in to still be the center? Because uh, he will be taken pretty much out of the game if he's way out on the perimeter trying to guard Draymond Green. So I'm curious to see what the Rockets do, but let's not get ahead of ourselves just yet, although we could see it coming uh, in just a few days. Yeah, no doubt about it. I mean, that's a segue for the segue there as we get into the Rockets as they go up 3-1 as well. Sweet two games in Utah and really not that close. Uh, They, you know, they sweep the Jazz out there that's headed back to Houston with a 3-1 lead. Uh, behind James Harden, James Harden and Chris Paul go both go off last night. Uh, it's like 24 for Harden and 27 for CP3. Um, the Jazz just don't have enough firepower. You know they got to 
colossal effort uh, the last time we recorded the podcast uh, from Derek. Oh, wow. I forgot his name that quick. Yeah, I know you're talking about the left-hand white guy, you know, but yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> broken him for yeah. three. Um, yeah. But, yeah, that's terrible. It's just, it's it's just not enough. Yeah. yeah. But it's just not, not enough. enough. Uh, and, yeah. you know, Ricky Rubio, you know, not that he's the greatest uh, point guard there is. However, he does play a role where he gets everybody in their spot. So taking him out of the lineup, you know, it has to put the ball more in Donovan Mitchell's hand early, uh, probably a little earlier than it usually is when Rubio's on the court. So, you know, that takes uh, an aspect away. Plus, Rubio's a pretty tough defender. He maybe would make it uh, a little bit tougher for CB, CP3 uh, to get to the basket but because uh, he kind of had his way uh, in game four. Um, I expect the Rockets to go home and close it out in game five and, and set up the series that everybody's been looking forward to, uh, especially uh, Daryl Morier, the owner of the Rockets, who, quote-unquote, built his team to beat the Warriors, and that's the only thing he wants to do is beat the Warriors. So I think he'll be more satisfied with a Western Conference uh, championship than uh, the NBA. <laughs> that's sounds like but, uh <laughs> It'll be, uh, yeah, everybody's uh, looking forward to that series, as am I. So uh, hopefully they'll go ahead and uh, take care of business in game five against the Jazz. Yeah, so let's look at the Western. We're, we are leaping ahead. Uh, if we get one of those uh, Red Sox versus Yankees comebacks from 2003 or four or whatever, we'll, we'll, we'll ask for forgiveness later. We're going to go ahead and give it uh, up already. So Rockets versus Dub, the Houston wins home court. Uh, I think did they sweep the series with them three love or maybe it was two one. I think it might have been two one where they won the majority of the games. They get home court if it's game seven. You know, kind of initially who you got? I got to go with the champs. You know, um, you know I've been thinking about that series and I watched Golden State. I've watched Houston. I just don't see, you know, how. If Houston isn't hitting 50% from three, they don't have a chance um, because we know that's the, the bulk of their offense. Um, you know, James Harden will have two or three different defenders thrown at him, so he better be ready uh, to go against Clay Thompson. He better be ready to go against Iguodala. He better be ready to even probably go against Draymond Green at some point as well. Um, and, and then the rest of the people will just shuffle around to somebody else. So, you know, that's going to cause James Harden, James Harden some problems, if anything, maybe wear him down uh, to take away some of his effectiveness. I don't, I don't see uh, Clint Capella, who's playing outstanding ball in this series against the Jazz, um, being much of a factor in the Golden State series. Um, so it's going to be interesting. I just don't think the the Rockets got enough. Um, I'm going with the I'm going with the Warriors in five against Whoa. the Rockets. Wow, wow, that will be interesting. That'll be interesting. Again, we talked about this on the podcast a little bit before too. Early in the season, you know, CP3 has been in you know rarely in this position before as he gets there. You know, we talked about is he somebody that you can win with? And, and, you know, how does he going to perform in this situation if he, you know, kind of gets a little tight, you know, tighten the butt 
a little bit as he's, you know, put in this position, even though he's not the leader of that team in terms of uh, scoring and taking that kind of load. You know, he is a leader on the team in terms of his ability to defend and everything else on that team. So if it falls on him, you know, how does he perform in this pressure-tight situation? Yeah, let's make no mistake. He was brought to Houston to be a leader for this this type of situation. But if you heard him in the post game in Game Four, uh, <laughs> where the the interviewer, uh, I believe it was Kristen Ledlow, mentioned, uh, you know, as we you know look ahead, you know, he was like, "Hold up," you know, even dropped an expletive on you know live TV, saying, uh, "You know, we, I was up three one once before." And yeah. uh, things got a little out of hand, you know. But uh, <laughs> I think I think he's going to be okay this time to make it to his first conference mm-hmm. final. Um, you know, he has to really elevate his game because um, you know you figure James Harden is going to you know do his thing for the most part. But CP3 has has to average twenty five, I believe. Mm-hmm. Eric Gordon has to play big. He's been playing uh, the last two games playing better. Uh, he was struggling there for a bit, playing well, but they got to get big, uh, big minutes and big numbers from uh, the sixth man, Eric Gordon, uh, for the Rockets to have a chance. Uh, I, like I said, I got Warriors in five. That's my bold prediction for the Western Conference Finals. All right, I'll take that. Um, I, I'm not, I'm not there yet. I, I, I'm not there yet. I, I do know. If Houston loses Game One, it could spiral out of control very quickly. That that I do know, but we'll see what happens. All right, um, back out east, the Celtics, and we're essentially going to be the Cavs. I was thinking about this the other day. Uh, let's just say the Celtics do win this, and they win the Eastern Conference without Kyrie. How sick is Kyrie going to be if they beat the Cavs without him and with him sitting on the bench? He's going to have to be oh. sick to his stomach. Well, just, yeah, he'll be sick first, uh, you know, that he won't get a chance to play against him because that's one thing he probably was itching to do uh, for those two teams to get a chance to play each other at these stakes at the possible Eastern Conference Finals. Uh, You know, that's what Kyrie wanted to do, go head-to-head with the Cavs, with LeBron, to see, hey, see what you're missing. But, you know, with him not being there and if, uh, you know, the series does indeed occur, and and Cleveland were to lose to Boston without Kyrie, um, man, that would be would be something else. Kyrie would feel bad but great, and then Cleveland would feel bad, you know. <laughs> it would be it would be a weird feeling. He'd be like, man, uh, I came here to beat Cleveland. They beat Cleveland without me. So yeah. what am I going to do? But um, I, I think uh, you, you got to. Gotta like uh, the Cavs. They're rolling right now. They're rolling right now. I think uh, so. There might be some matchup issues against the length of Boston. You know, with the young guns, with Tatum, with Brown. Uh, you know, even the athleticism of, of Terry Rozier. Uh, but uh, you know, you gotta roll with uh, the way Cleveland is playing right now. Of course, LeBron clicking on all cylinders. Uh, is the X factor in any series he is in. As long as he's getting a little bit of help, I think Cleveland uh, might have what it takes. I would take Cleveland in six if that were to occur. Um, I would love to see that series going forward. 
you know, a rematch of last year's Eastern Conference Finals, which has absolutely no resemblance to last year. Because <laughs> yeah. uh, a lot of the players are not there, but that's a, yeah. a testament to the organizations that even with wholesale changes, you know, they still have the potential to be right back where they were a year ago. So uh, that's uh, credit Danny Ainge and his crew. Uh, and then the new crew up in Cleveland, uh, you know, but still LeBron, uh, the man leading that crew, um, where uh, both teams could potentially be back there in a rematch of last year's Eastern Conference Finals. You know, I kind of get the sense that Brad Stevens had this game and this series circled on his calendar for a very long time for at least for him to have, you know, a full a full or mostly full complement of his guys together. Um, so, you know, he's going to have everything drawn up. Uh, and if anybody can at least draw up a plan that's going to be able to slow down LeBron because you can't stop him, to be able to slow him down, uh, it would be the Celtics. So, yeah, I'm I'm, I'm going to go the opposite end on that. I do have a prediction on this one. I'm going to take the Celtics in six. Uh, I think the LeBron chain, train is going to die there in Boston. I think the emergence of Terry Rozier and being essentially Kyrie Light is enough for them to get buckets and their defense will hold them, you know, to wherever they need to hold them. So, yeah, I'm taking the Celtics in six. Okay, yeah. so that's, that's – If we go, go back to our initial show, I just – if we if we rewind the tapes all the way back to our initial show, yes. you know, I said uh, we had Boston and Golden State in the finals was my prediction on show number one. Show number one. Change that. Uh, LeBron, he's playing at another level. And, um, you know, you don't have the full complement of players for the Celtics. And for that reason only, I'm going to take uh, Cleveland in in six. Um, But they will throw multiple bodies at LeBron. You know, you got Tatum guarding, you got Brown guarding, you got Ojale, you probably get Horford. So you got lots of players. I can't wait. Marcus Smart, too. Yeah. Throw bodies. Mark is smart to uh, just piss you off if nothing else. So, yep. Um, yeah, yeah, I can't wait. So, uh, Cleveland, take care of business. Boston, take care of business. So, we can Let's make it get happen. it started. Yeah, for yeah, sure. So. Um, so that's who we think is going to be there. You're saying, you know, Celtics versus. Uh, and excuse me, you, we get the round four rematch here, where we get the Warriors and the and the Cavs again. That's probably what ABC wants. I would say that's probably what they want as well. To, you know, to get the four peat, not even a rubber match at this point. It's been four times in the finals. Uh, I, I guess so. If that's what they want, then I guess ABC's nightmare would be uh, Celtics Rockets. Well, I think Golden uh, State versus Cleveland, Boston, or Philly would be okay in the minds of the ABC exec. Yeah, I think either of those three coming, you know, Toronto, if they came out, then that would cause a problem, I think, you know, as far as ratings-wise. And I don't think we have to worry about that. But I, I think uh, any of those other three, I think, ratings-wise, you know, because those are the up-and-coming teams, Boston and Philly. And then, you know, you got the King and, and his court, if you will, with the Cavs. So mm-hmm. I think any of those three out of the East would be okay. 
Yeah, I think Houston, um, you know, even though they would be a new face, if they made it to the finals, I think uh, ratings would take a dip because uh, they just don't have, uh, you know, the, the personalities. You know, James mm-hmm. Harden just isn't that guy to me, um, you know, or CP3 either. You know, he's got his little yeah. State Farm commercials, but uh, <laughs> I don't think the Rockets, I don't think the Rockets move the needle um, quite like the champions. So I think ABC wants Golden State and somebody else. All right. Okay. All right. All right. So, yeah, so that, yeah, we'll get there soon enough. Uh, like I said, we need to get this closeout here, and then we got to wait on closeout games since the other two series uh, later in the week. All right. We got to get to our best player thing. We As we were going through this, I had texted you the other day. I was like, we skipped over a couple of people or a couple of teams. So one of the one was the Houston Rockets, and we're just going to go with the dream, period. That, there's no conversation about that. We're not going to go to the second best player. It's Akeem, the dream, Olajuwon, and we can move on really quickly. Uh, the next one up on the docket, though, is my Miami. And we had a little text uh, drop about this here a couple of days ago. Okay, so we can't count LeBron as one of the best players since he only spent four seasons there, correct? Well, uh, let me let me see. Well, let's talk about the names first that come up when we talk about the franchise of the Miami Heat. You know, the original draft pick, the first ever draft pick of the Miami Heat was Ronnie Cycli out of Syracuse, mm. 1988. So that's the first. And, hey, six seasons, he averaged uh, 15 and 10. So mm. you got to give him a little credit. Um, some other names that throw out, you know, Tim Hardaway, you know, coming yeah. off of, you know, coming from Golden State when he came to Miami, he definitely added a little spark, um, you know, that helped push him over the top, if you will. Um, you know, so Tim Hardaway, he, you know, in his years, he averaged 17 a game. So he was a, a, a top heat. Glenn Rice. Glenn Rice was a, a quality player. Um, you know, with the heat, he had six seasons of well where he averaged 19 a game. So, you know, Glenn Rice, who actually is listed as third, is the all, third all-time leading scorer in the history. And you got number one we'll talk about here. Number two we'll talk about in a second, Rice third. But do you believe in those four years LeBron James is the fourth all-time leading scorer in yeah. Miami <laughs> history? Um, yeah. You know, so you, to say he's, he's not part of it uh, I think would be unfair. So... Uh, but, no, is he the number one? I would definitely say not. So, number two on the list, let's go with Alonzo Mourning. Alonzo Mourning came over from Charlotte, and uh, he definitely added something to the franchise. Uh, Big Zoe, uh, second leading scorer in Heat history, second leading rebounder in Heat history, uh, you know, and uh, a definite uh, figure when you think of the Miami Heat. But, when you think of Miami, you can only think of Dade County, which was quickly turned to Wade County. Dwayne Wade uh, is the best player in Miami Heat history, the leader in games, the leader in minutes, the leader in points, the leader in steals, the leader in assists, uh, and anything else you want to say. Yeah. He might have sold the most popcorn or anything else. Dwayne Wade yeah. is the man in Miami uh, you got to say uh, he is uh, why the Heat is what they are. You know, they he won their first championship uh, with a little help from Shaquille O'Neal, getting him over the top uh, when he played some 
incredible ball against the Dallas Mavericks. Um, but then, of course, pairing up with LeBron James and even some help from Chris Bosh to get two more championships down in Miami uh, with some amazing play. Uh, Dwayne Wade, um, 15 years uh, in the NBA, but 13 of them with the Heat. Um, you got to say that uh, he is the man in Miami. Uh, I hope he does retire this year um, and go ahead and, and go out on a on the, the positive note, um, but he is the man, the number one player in Miami Heat history. I agree with everything you say. However, when we agree with each other, it doesn't make for good podcasts. All right. <laughs> I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say I agree with everything you say, but I think though coming to Miami when he came from Charlotte and once Riley got a hold of him, and was able to channel that intensity, it changed the entire culture of the entire franchise. You know, I mean, from being down here, there are people that they call heat players, you know, like heat lifers, you know, like you, Don, you know, has them. Like, those dudes are on the team, the Keith Askins of the world. Like, those dudes were on the team. They changed the culture of the team that turned it into a team that was a Ronnie Cycli with a little bit of fluff here and there to a team that was hard, defensively, they're going to D you up. They're just absolute tough guys who could also play, you know, basketball at its finest and highest levels offensively at times. So I agree Dwayne Wade is the greatest Heat basketball player of all time. Like, I'll give you that 100%. However, Zoe coming to the Heat changed everything. And that's why sometimes, you know, since Pat Riley's been in charge and Zoe being down there as well, that's why some dudes get down there and it's like, yeah, they're not, they're not Heat players. And they wind up having very short stints with the team, and they wind up moving them all because they're just looking for tough guys uh, that can also play basketball. So yeah, yeah, that's it. All right, <laughs> it's the way we. But I, I got to give it up for them. All right, let's just start to wrap up the podcast here. Uh, now we had that song here at the top by you know Philly's finest, Jazzy Jeff, uh, remixing um, uh, the Allen Iverson. Uh, a practice rant. Why did you pick that song? Well, I mean, you know, this uh, that's a song that came out on uh, on my Pandora. I never heard it before until uh, about a year ago. Never heard of it. I was, I think, cutting the grass on my Pandora, and it came up. Right. I was like, oh, that's a pretty nice little tune. And then I did some research on it, and it was like, ha You know, Jazzy Jeff, you know, put it down with a Philly native. Uh, with uh, uh, released in 2007, five years uh, after the rant, um, you know, with Jay Live is the rapper. It's hard to say Jazzy mm-hmm. Jeff without saying the Fresh Prince. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. Yeah, it's, it's, it's hard to say, but, um, you know, we got, uh, you know, I, I said, hey, and it was definitely appropriate for today's date in NBA history. So okay. Jazzy Jeff featuring Jay Live. Talking about practice. Yeah, no doubt. <laughs> it is hard to say Jazzy Jeff without the Fresh Prince. Because uh, I was like, kind of, you know, you sent the song and I was looking up, you know, to you put it into the podcast or whatever. You know, there was all these links that came up for early Jazzy Jeff songs that had nothing to do with Will Smith. I was like, oh, okay, well, let me listen to this. Let me listen to this. You know, he got pushed so far to the back where, you know, you think about it in the 80s, his name was on the front of that group for a reason, you know, one of the greatest DJs of all time, literally. And, uh, 
you know, he just got completely eclipsed by Will Smith becoming, you know, a music star and then a movie star. Yeah, that's, uh, yeah, Will Smith took things to another level, you know, mm-hmm. he, you know, going to the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air even, um, you know, glad he put his boy Jazz in the show. Uh, yeah. But, yeah, he, uh, he took things to another level. But uh, Jazzy Jeff still continued to make music as, as he did, you know. What happened to the scratch? You know, he was the, the DJs scratching on the music. What happened to that? It was a, a big thing in the world of hip-hop. But uh, Jazzy Jeff was one of the best at it. Yeah, one of the first dudes to transform, man. I mean, whew. I mean, you can remember yeah. listening to all that stuff. Uh, your boy DJ Scratch as well. Um, you know, from EPMD. Uh, just yeah, yeah. just well, DJ just is, lost uh, a whole bunch of people. You know, yeah. <laughs> Google it. A whole, whole bunch of listeners are like, what? Uh, what is it? What are they talking about? But yeah, Google but, yeah, it, great sir. All right, so yeah, all right, so we as DJ Jazzy Jeff starts to play us out. Hey man, where can they find you? Hey, you can find me at Will Stacks. That's at Will Stacks on Instagram, and then at Mister Waters seventy seven on Twitter. Let me know. Let us know what you think of the show. Uh, what you think we should add? What you think we might take away? And uh, what you think about our predictions? Looking forward to the NBA Finals. Yeah, and call us out when we're wrong, because uh, we were definitely wrong. At least I was definitely wrong last week. I definitely had the Golden State uh, the prediction wrong. So, yeah, so remember, you better find this podcast on SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, uh, TuneIn app. Um, I don't know. Just put it in Brothers Comics. You'll be able to find that show along with the other shows that we have on our network. Uh, if you haven't checked out our Infinity War podcast yet, uh, check that out. Uh, spoilers all over the place, by the way. You still haven't seen this movie, which is terrible, but a whole nother podcast to talk about that. All right. Uh, yeah, so, you're kidding. <laughs> Sorry, so Jazzy Jeff's playing it out. Hey, man, uh, I'm going to go watch the second half of this game. I'm going to see you on the other side. Will Stacks is out. Go Cavs, close it out. We talking about practice. I mean, listen, we talking about practice. Not a game, not a game, not a game. We talking about practice. And we talking about practice. Not a game. We talking about practice, man. I heard it's better to be lucky than good. Well, in my case, I guess I'm lucky and good. I heard if not for bad luck, Jay will have no luck at all. To which my reply is, call it y'all. I've been passed up, gassed up, bounced around, man. Thrown off the glass just to see what's this. I have yet to score big like Allen Iverson. Maybe someday Jay could endorse a pair of kicks. But for now, long as I can afford a pair of kicks in the closet to put them in, I'ma put them on and walk these dogs. Get my hustle on. Break bread for my youngins so they grow up strong. That's why the flow grow after each and every show and year after year bring song after song i heard amateurs keep doing it till they get it right but pros do it so much we can't get it wrong that's practice we talking about practice i mean listen we talking about practice not a game not a game not a game we talking about practice and we talking about practice not a game we talking about practice man 
with some old colloquialism. Stating if you love what you do for a living, you never work a day in your life. Yeah, right. But I know what they mean. Some jobs are trapped like prison. But if you hating me, cause all you do is process and file. Jealous because I get to make beats. Spinning freestyle as if I haven't had to work in a while. Like I ain't shedding blood, sweat, tears, stomach acid, and bile. Like my workload isn't unbelievable. CEO, COO, accounts payable and receivable. Chief marketeer and manager, sales rep, tour van driver, baggage handler. Like I ain't trying to outsource and delegate How else you think I ever upgrade or elevate But at this point in time I got two options Get it done right myself Or get relegated back to a spot Where I do it for fun In my spare time Oh wait, I won't have none So don't come at me about that Get a real jobby job We gon' have a problem See, this ain't a hobby It's a practice We talking about practice I mean, listen We talking about practice Not a game, not a game Not a game We talking about practice. And we talking about practice. Not a game. We talking about practice, man. And we just talk about practice. We sitting here, I supposed to be a franchise player. And we in here talking about practice. I mean, listen, we talking about practice. Not a game, not a game, not a game. We talking about practice. Not a game. Not a game. Not, a, not, a, not the game that I go out there and, and 